Gentlemen, welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping men figure out who they want to become and what they want to give their life to and then pushing them to relentlessly pursue that vision for the rest of their life. My name is Keaton Tucker and I am the host of this podcast and I wanted to welcome you to today's episode, whether this is your first time or if you've listened before. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I say this almost every episode, at least on the Friday episodes, that this podcast was based on a question that my dad asked me when I was 23 years old. Working at the Olive Garden, definitely feeling sorry for myself, hating that I was single, even though I had no job, no plan, or I had a job, but I had no plan, no direction, and uh, just all I wanted was a girlfriend. And he asked me, you know, he's like, son, what kind of man do you want to be? And after I said, I don't know. Because I did not know, it was a very daunting question, who would even think like about, oh, I just need to figure out what kind of man I want to be. He asked me that question, and I've decided I was going to figure that out and pursue it relentlessly for the rest of my life. And here we are today, pursuing the vision, doing what we can to become the man that I want to be, and then helping other people along the way. And right now, we are in a series on Fridays. Uh, looking at the manhood of Jesus. So the way this podcast works is on Mondays, an episode releases where I sit down and have a conversation with another man. A lot of times it's uh, good friends of mine. Sometimes it's people that I've just met brand new. A lot of times I have my pops on. I've had my brother on. I'm going to have my another brother coming on, calling coming on. And they, those are conversations I have about either what they're giving their life to or who they're becoming or, you know, just things that they're learning, any kind of different thing like that. Wednesdays, we look at wisdom because if you get wisdom, you get anything else. And then on these Friday episodes, lately I have been, these are solo episodes where it's just me, where I just share something that's on my heart. And lately we have been in um, a series looking at Jesus as a man worth imitating because I think we need to reclaim the manhood of Jesus. I am a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to say that here in a second again. Um, and I think Jesus is one of the greatest men to imitate, the greatest man that you can imitate. And you can learn everything you need to know about being a man from Jesus. And um, so, you know, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Um, maybe you were, but you walked away from the faith, wherever you fall on and in between those lines, wherever you are with Jesus, I just, thanks for listening. Um, I hope to convince you that Jesus is the greatest man who ever lived and that he is exactly who he said he was. Like, I want to convince you that Jesus is the greatest man who ever lived, but I also want to try to convince you that he was exactly who he said he was. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He was definitely not just a literary character. You know, he was a real person who was also God. And he said that about himself. So because he said that about himself, either he is telling the truth or he's a liar, but he cannot be both. But wherever you are on your journey, whatever question you are asking, whatever you are seeking, I hope to help you find it along the way and help you become the man that God has always intended you to be. And I haven't said this in a while, but I'm going to say it again. You need God. I need God. You need God. We will be shadows of the man that we have, that God has asked us to be shadows of a man that we are, we want to be if we don't have God. 
we don't have Jesus specifically. You know, our natural aggression will be violent instead of protective. Our natural energies will be used for ourself instead of for others. Our strength will be used to intimidate rather than defend. And I'm willing to bet that you've looked for people to imitate because you like the outcome of their way of life. At least you like what you can see. I bet you've been on YouTube and checked out the success channels, the motivation hub. I bet you've listened to people who made a lot of money, who got theirs, who worked 100 hours a week, who got the girls. Andrew Tate, you know, you're listening to him. He's got his own masculinity thing going on. Well, okay. If you've done that, my challenge to you is why don't you try Jesus? Why don't you look at Jesus as more than just a religious figure? And why don't you look at him as he had said he was? And how he showed up, because he showed up as a man. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Pastor Erwin Raphael McManus. Love that guy's preaching. And he's he's kind of a creative. You would not think of a creative as a, as a manly man, but he said something that I have said on this podcast before, and I felt kind of honored. There's not a chance that he heard it from me, but he was talking about how Jesus grabbed a whip and drove people out of the temple, and nobody stopped him because they were afraid of him. And I was like, yes. Even Erwin understands, and he goes, we've neglected Jesus' manliness. And I was like, yes, Erwin, yes, amen. Why don't you try Jesus, is what I'm saying. Why don't, if you've looked at YouTube, and you've looked at Instagram, and you've looked at other things, you've looked at Success Hub, Motivation Hub, all the channels of men who have accomplished great things, why don't you look at what Jesus accomplished? Why don't you give Jesus a chance? Like, are you strong enough to forgive even if you nothing gets better? Do you think you have the strength to overlook an offense or do you need to get revenge and get yours? Like, can you make the impact that Jesus made? I want you to look at his life. And that's what we're doing on this podcast is we're looking at Jesus's life through the uh, four stories that were told about him. And we're in Mark right now. We'll be in Mark for probably a while just because as I go through these stories more and more. I'm just like, I don't feel a need to move on from any of these stories. You know, we are designed to look to someone to imitate, you know, even from a young age, you, when you have kids, you find out they learn everything from what you do. Literally, literally everything. I have a little girl. She's 18 months old. She's the sweetest little thing. She's currently in a very aggressive, tyrannical state, but she is a very, very sweet, little girl and she watches my wife put on makeup and then she grabs me the little makeup thing and she tries to do it to herself she watches her put on chapstick and she tries to put on her own chapstick she watches chelsea and me use utensils to eat so she uses utensils to eat everything that she does she is learning because she's imitating me or my wife chelsea and you and i we were designed to look to someone to imitate and as men We're not looking for soft and fluffy men to imitate. No, we're looking for people. We're looking for other men who can challenge us, who can call us higher, who can call us to be overcomers, who can push, tell us to push ourselves and expect more of us. We're looking for men who can help us discover who God designed us to be and to strain after that. And there's no better man than that, than Jesus. Like not even, it's not even close. And if you have a life changing encounter with Jesus, a life-changing encounter with Jesus, I promise you, he will turn you into the man that you've always wanted to become. And the more and more I study the manhood of Jesus, the more that I want to be like him. Like, 
more than anything. I want that strong, bold fearlessness that permeated his life. And I also want the joy and the stress-free life that he had. Because, And that's one of the things we're going to look at today. I want to look at, at another aspect of Jesus' schedule. So I have already done an episode on Jesus' schedule, how he made good use of his time, how he had a full schedule. He did not dilly-dally his time away. He didn't waste it on useless activity. And I used... Uh, video games and Netflix and too much time at the gym. There can be too much time at the gym. And it takes you away from doing other things that you are, as a man are need to do. Um, Jesus had a very full schedule. But I want to look at another aspect of his schedule is because there's something as I read this, the Gospels, as I read these stories, there's something that stands out that you just can't help but notice and I don't want us to get the wrong impression of how Jesus spent his time. Like, because when you hear he had a full schedule, what you might hear is he was always busy and always in a hurry. But that is not the case. The one thing that sticks out to me, like, he was never, ever, not once, not one time in the Gospels was Jesus in a hurry. He gets interrupted so many times that you'd think it was, uh, like, planned or You'd be like a nuisance, like he was annoyed by it, but he wasn't. All the stories, he's always, it's like he's being, he's uh, fully expecting to be interrupted all the time. He'd be interrupted, he'd be like fully present with the person, and then he would go do his Jesus thing, and then he'd get back to whatever he was doing beforehand, like as as if nothing happened without skipping a beat. He... Jesus managed to stay on assignment on his mission. That was what we had talked about a couple weeks ago. He managed to stay on his assignment, but he never let his mission or his assignment rule over him or interrupt who, or uh, how do I say this? Um, yeah, Jesus never let his assignment rule over him and his assignment was people. So he was okay being interrupted by people. You know, he, he had a good balance of what he was doing. And so like I want we're going to look at that. But like what you need to know is all the leadership books, all the growth experts, all the top level leaders talk about the importance of protecting your time and limiting your access so that you can accomplish what you're here to accomplish. And there's definitely something to that. You and you I don't want to diminish it because you and I cannot do everything and we cannot be we can't have unlimited access because then our fa- especially if you're married. Jesus wasn't married. Uh, your wife suffers, your your kids would suffer from that. When you do get married, you just can't allow that kind of stuff. And I don't want to diminish it. Uh, Jesus, you know, he didn't, not everybody had unlimited access to Jesus when he was on earth. Uh, he had his top three, like his disciples, there were 12 of his primary disciples. Three of them had more access to him than the other 12, or the other nine, excuse me. The 12 had more access than the 70. The 70 had more access than the 120. There were, like, he had limited access, but he was also able to be interrupted, uh, which tells me that he is a great at building a team, uh, which I, I'll probably do an episode on that because right next to Mark is where he sends out the 12 apostles to do something. And Jesus might have been the greatest built team builder of all time. He, I mean, he left 2,000 years ago, and his team is still, his team is still moving things right along somehow. So, but, but the big thing I want to highlight is the difference between using your time well and being in a hurry. 
There is a difference, and I see a lot of guys who think they're using their time well, but all what they really did is said yes to too much, and now their schedule is not strategically full, but it's busy, and now they're in a hurry trying to do things instead of being able to spend or invest time on good things, and people are good things to use your time on. <clears throat> like, if you're in a hurry... You end up missing up, missing out on all the most important things in life. Like it's impossible to do anything well and be in a hurry. I feel this tension all the time. Every time I feel like I have to be in a hurry with what I'm doing, whatever I'm working on is worse than if I had just taken a little bit longer. There is a very there is a difference between full schedule, wise investment of time, and busy saying yes. Uh, there's this thing in our culture. It's called hurry sickness. It's not a medical condition, but it is definitely a spiritual condition. Uh, It's defined this way. It's a continuous struggle, an unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events in less and less time. And people with hurry sickness, they think fast, talk fast, and act fast. And our culture is currently plagued by hurry sickness. I actually, I'm just now remembering a buddy of mine, Oren, good friend of mine, he sent me a thing on Instagram and it was this guy, (laughs) it was ridiculous. I should see if I can just get the audio for you guys to hear. The guy goes, I get three days. My first day is from 12 to six. That's my first day. By the end of the day, I've had three days. And he goes, I'm not crazy. You're crazy for thinking it takes 24 hours to get a full 20, a full day, like some caveman 300 years ago, words that came out of his mouth. 300, he's like, he thinks cavemen were around 300 years ago. Try again, buddy. But he's like, by, so my first day is 6 to 12. My next day is from 12 to 6. And then uh, my third day is from 6 to 12. So by the end of the first day, and he snaps. He's got these real strong snap. By the end of my first day, I've had three days. By the end of the week, I'm, I've got 21 days. And he goes, stack that up over a week or over a month, you're toast. I'm kicking your butt. Stack that up over five years. It's not our way of life is going to be completely different. And then it cuts to another guy who's making fun of him. And he goes, yeah, well, my day also starts at 6 a.m. And by 7, that's one day. By 8, that's two days. Stack that up over over a 24-hour period, you're toast. Stack that up over a week, you're a muffin. (laughs) It was a really, really funny video because that first guy was trying to have he was, had such a hurry sickness mindset. He had to accomplish more and achieve more that he made imaginary days that were six-hour periods and called them days. He had his first day from 6 to 12, second day from 12 to 6, third day from from 6 to midnight, and he just worked, 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 he, and he, he had to accomplish so much he called that three days. And it's just it's just imaginary. He had no more time than anyone else. But that's what hurry sickness will do to somebody. It will make them do crazy things like that. John Mark Comer wrote a book. Uh, He's a pastor who started a nonprofit called Practice in the Way. John Mark Comer, he wrote a book in 2019 called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it sold millions of copies to people who are wondering, like, how do you escape this hurry trap? Because I feel like I've got more technology to make me efficient, more and more efficient Things that used to take several hours now take a matter of minutes. And instead of making our lives easier, all we did is pack a bunch of extra stuff in there. 
and it's now given us this new thing called hurry sickness. Believe it or not, you weren't really designed to be able to keep up with all of the events happening in the world while sending out a hundred emails, reading every little thing that could be at every little vantage point with your eyes. You weren't designed to do that. That's all relatively new within the last, I don't know, since 2007. And it's created this hurry trap. And many people are trying to figure out how do I get out of that? Dallas Willard, he's a Christian philosopher that I love to read. Um, he was asked, if you could describe Jesus in one word, just one word, what would that be? And he didn't, Dallas Willard did not say loving. He didn't say compassionate. He didn't say kind. He didn't say strong. You know what the one word he chose to describe Jesus? He chose relaxed. He's just relaxed. Wow. What a word. And so I want to read a story that highlights that about Jesus. It's found in Mark chapter 5. We're going to read uh, twenty verses 21 through 43. So what is that? 22 verses. Um, this is a great story. It's an emotional story if you let each of the little details kind of sink into you. And, and remember that these are real people who had real events that happened in their life that they needed Jesus for. And so like, try to notice the things that are odd, the things that would kind of ca- tr- notice the things that capture your attention. Like give yourself some time to notice those. Okay. Need a water. We don't edit this podcast because uh, you like, you can't edit your life. You can just make the most of it. So, um, all right. <clears throat> Mark chapter five, verses 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, and he implored him earnestly, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and that she may live. And so Jesus went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much, suffered much. I underlined that word when I was reading this. Suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, man. If I touch his garment, if I can touch his garment, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out from him, and immediately he turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing around you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. That's Jesus. But the woman, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, she came in fear and trembling and she fell down. She fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And so while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house who said, your daughter is dead. 
Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And and he allowed no one to follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Oh, there it is. Limited access. That what I was talking about earlier. Not everybody got to go. Limited access. So Jesus and those three, they head out. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making such a commotion and weeping? The child, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them outside. He took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. And they went to where the child was and taking her by the hand, he said, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age, 12 years of age, 12 years of age. Remember that number, 12 years of age. And they immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly had charged that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay. All right. So here in the story, so we'll just go back through the beginning, kind of just work our way through this. So Jesus gets off a boat. He's been at the Decapolis. We talked about that in the last podcast. He went and healed the man with the demons. He goes across gets in a boat and comes across the the lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, and immediately he hops out and there's a crowd all like right around him. Big old crowd right around him, wanting his time, pressing. You know, if you've ever walked, imagine you walking in a crowd at a very crowd, like a, at a coliseum or um, at an event center. You know when you just kind of like turn your shoulders and walk sideways and you're just like, Ugh. that's what this crowd is like. And a guy comes up to him and says, you know, he's just gotten off the boat. And, and he's like, he implores this guy. He's like, he, he's like, my daughter is about to die. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well. And Jesus is like, all right, great. And he didn't, you know, like he didn't ask him to schedule it. He doesn't put him off for a few days. Jesus just says, all right, let's go. You know, he's, he's very relaxed during this whole time. And so he's, he starts heading off with Jairus to go see this little girl and the great crowd. They follow him and they're all thronged about him. And there was a dis- a woman who had a discharge. Of- so she's in the crowd and she's suffered much under the physician. So like she's been to some doctors. She's asked for help for 12 years, like tw- 12 years. She has been bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and she suffered much and no one could help her. It just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And she heard the reports about Jesus, which is how a lot of people come to faith in Jesus is they've run out of options. They've tried everything that they can and they're at the end of themselves or at the end of their rope. And they're like, at last, I, I, you know what? I'm going to try Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe, I mean, maybe you're not like this woman, but maybe you're at the end of your rope. And you haven't given Jesus a chance. Maybe that's you. And she'd heard the reports about Jesus. And so she's like, okay, if I could just touch his garment, I don't know how, but if I could touch his garment, I'll be made well. 
So you imagine the desperation of this woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, who cannot get relief, who suffered much. She's at the end of her rope. She knows if this doesn't work, well, my life is probably over. So you know what? I don't even care about these people's opinions. And so he's, she walks up to him and she like grabs his robe and, and felt in her body as soon as she touched Jesus that she was healed of her disease. Now, Jesus is on his way to heal a girl because her dad came and said, my daughter's going to die if you don't come. Jesus is like, all right, I'm out. Let's go. Jesus has made a commitment to go with this guy to heal his daughter. And this woman grabs him and, and Jesus stops. He stops. He's willing, just like he was willing to be interrupted for Jairus and his daughter, he's willing to be interrupted for this woman. I want to skip ahead real quick because the girl that he Jesus eventually goes and heals is 12 years old and this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. This girl's entire life 12 years has been the, is the same amount of time as how long this other woman has been bleeding. 12 years. And so Jesus stops and he decides like I'm going to figure out who this is. And his she's they're in a crowd. This was not a fast event. So Jesus must have stopped and was like, all right, someone touched me. Power went out for me. I need to figure out who that was. And he obviously didn't move very quickly because um, that, like the crowd, how do I say this? The woman came to touch his garments and then she probably hid herself again. And he stopped long enough that she worked up the courage to come and be like, it was me. It wouldn't have been a very, very fast thing at all. It would have been a very slow probably I'd give it like 10 minutes that he just stood there wondering, wanting to know which person in the crowd touched him and who was willing to come forward and admit it. But he's on it. He's supposed to be going to heal this, this other girl who is dying and he's willing to stop. And it says that the woman, she finally came, the woman who's bleeding, she came in fear and trembling and she fell down before him and she told the whole truth. How long do you think it told took for this woman to tell Jesus the whole truth about her life and why she grabbed his garments? She's got 12 years of pain, 12 years of memory, 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of suffering, 12 years of disappointment. How long do you think that took for her to explain to Jesus? And he just sat there and he listened to the whole thing. probably quite a while. And it was long enough that somebody had time to walk from Jairus's house to the crowd and say, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter is dead. It had to have been long enough to cause a significant level of anxiety for Jairus. Cause he's like, you were coming to help me. And now you're not, now you're stopped helping this woman. Who's at least had her life. This woman has at least had her. My little girl has not had her life yet. And Jesus, he's just relaxed for the whole thing. And he turns to Jairus and he goes, don't fear. Don't fear. Just believe. And I'm wondering how much of our Hurry sickness that we have in our life comes from a place of fear that if we don't hurry, 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 we are going to miss what God wants to do in our life. If we don't hurry, when did you believe or come to believe that you had to hurry to make God 
work in your life. That's not how any of that works. He works with people who are faithful, absolutely. But do you have to hurry? Jesus is never in a hurry. You see, Jesus understands that even though he is on a very, very important assignment, an important assignment is right in front of him. And he's going to take the time to be like, I got it. You have an important assignment. You have good work to do. And I'm wondering if you were probably hustling and working and trying really, really hard and making the best use of your time and yet are unable to be interrupted for somebody who is right in front of you. What if you need to be interrupted by somebody right in front of you just for a little bit? What if they've been suffering for a really, really long time and they just now worked up the courage to come and talk to you? To get to seek some counsel, to seek some help. What if it's your your children who they've been suffering like this is in the future, because I know a lot of a lot of the people listening to this are young guys. What if in the future your child comes to you and they've been suffering for a while at school or whatever and you just, they need dad. Can you be interrupted? One of the things I loved about Pops, you ask him like, hey, you got time for your oldest son or you got time for your middle son, you got time for your youngest son? And he goes, of course, of course, of course. I don't think dad or my mom has never ever been like, nah, busy. Nope, can't. They were available. Jesus definitely used his time well. He was always on mission. He was always on his place, but he never let his mission rule over him. And his mission was people. And you and I, if we want to be good men, if we want to be strong and daring men, the first thing that you and I are going to have to come to realize is that mission is primarily the building of other people and offering to other people what God has given us. He has given men an enormous amount of strength, an enormous amount of fortitude, an enormous amount of resiliency and energy and creative power, and it is up to us to use that for other people and not just for ourselves. And we will know if we are using it for ourselves when we can't be interrupted for anything. Now remember, you saw limited access. You got to stay on mission. You also can be interrupted. You have to sit, you and I have to learn to sit in those two tensions. When I'm in my office, I work very, very hard at whatever is on my to-do list to do. And I try to work as ahead as possible so that when someone knocks on my door and says, hey, you got a minute, I can always say yes. I always want to be able to say yes to who's ever knocking at my door. Is that a good leadership strategy from some of the experts? I don't know. But I'm a disciple of Jesus. And so I'm going to work really, really hard and make sure I have cut out and eliminated distractions, things that would steal my time so that I'm, I am diligent in what I am assigned to do, working far enough in advance so that when somebody needs to interrupt, because people don't need to interrupt all the time. If people need to interrupt your life all the time, that's called a boundary. You need to put in a boundary. Okay, That's not what happens. Most of the time, people only need to interrupt you one time. If you can't handle the one time because you're too busy, you got hurry sickness or you you didn't work well, I think you're missing a great opportunity there. Most people only need to interrupt one time. Work diligently on your assignment. Work ahead of time. Make sure your schedule is invested well. Cut out stuff that would distract from what you're called to do. That way, when somebody comes to interrupt, 
who might need you, who might have been suffering for at least 12 years, you can answer the call and be like, hey, I'm here. How can I help? How can I help? I've, I've mentioned this guy on the podcast before. His name's Garrett Talviti. He's my oldest friend. Shout out to Garrett. Garrett, I hope you still listen to this podcast. I think you, I hope you still do. If you don't, well, I'll just have Mark get you. Mark's his dad. Garrett, he learned this from Mark for sure, is the most available and helpful man I've ever met. Literally, you call him and he's, he's like, it's almost like he's not ever doing anything, even though he is always doing something, but he's always available. There was one time he had just gotten home from work. My wife had managed to take get her Jeep. Um, she slid off the road into a ditch. Um, a Jeep slid in snow into a ditch. And I was going to go rescue her in my Chevy Lumina, which is a little four-door sedan. If you Google it, it's embarrassing. But I loved that car. And she's like, how are you even going to get here? You have a Lumina. And I'm like, you have a Jeep and you're in the ditch. So I'll do whatever I want with this Lumina. And she's like, just call somebody. And I was like, you know who? I know I can call. I can call Garrett because Garrett is always available. He's literally always available to help those people that he loves. So I called him. He had just gotten off work and he's like, yeah, I'll be there as soon as I can. He drove there. And by the time that he got, to, he, you know, I was, I was about 30 minutes away. By the time he got there, Chelsea, somebody had already stopped to help Chelsea get out. So we, he drove there and he's like, oh, I don't have to go. So he went back home. But he was available. And he did that all the time. And I want that. I want to be a man like Garrett, like that. I want to use my time well, and I want to be available when people need me. That's one of the way, that's one of the man, that's kind of the man I want to be. I want to be available because I'm also a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus was available for interruptions as they came. So, what can we learn here? For, what did we learn here today? Limited access is just fine. Working diligently is just fine. Being able to be interrupted is a good thing too. Thank you for listening to this version of the Man I Want to Be podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, Leave us a five-star review. That is really, really helpful, and I appreciate it very much. If you didn't like what you heard on this podcast, just pretend you didn't hear it at all because that also helps us out too. Until next time, this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.